Sad fact is that the hardest place to show mercy is in our family. That's a sad fact. We can show mercy everywhere else. We can show mercy at work. We can show mercy everywhere else. But it's hard to show mercy in the family. Why? Because we are related. You and I have the same last name. Huh? We live in the same house. We, you, where are you going to go? So we are so comfortable that we come home and as soon as the door closes, even on Sunday afternoon, as soon as the door closes and the, it's only family, just, you just know that's only family. Even if one person was in the house, even a ghost was in the house, you'd know. But as soon as it's only family, the face comes out. You know the face? The tone changes. Everything just goes back to normal. I'm a God man. Don't expect anything nice from me. This is the home face. I'm at home. Leave me alone. Okay. And I don't know why, but at home, with the people we dearly love, are the people we give them the worst of us. We do. We do. I mean, if our bosses and our colleagues saw what we're like at home, we'd get fired. We would not be able to hold our job if we talked the same. Yet we so confidently do that. Because where will they go? Are you with me? <laughs> it's just the sad truth. And the fact is that family... Get, look at what David says in Psalm 101, verse 2. Lord, I want to live a blameless life, but how I need your help, Lord. How I need your help, Lord. Why? What does he want his help for? Especially in my own home where I long to act as I should. Today we're talking about mercy to your family. Easy to give mercy to a poor person who, who, who you know, our heart goes out, sympathy goes out because they're in terrible state, dire state. But our family members, our family members, oh, that's difficult. It's difficult. Mercy and love are the same thing. Mercy acts, love acts. 1 Corinthians 13, you're familiar with this, so that's not my point this morning. You know this passage, so that's not my point. Teaching the passage is not my point. My point is going to remain when you can't do it, when you're too tired to do it, when you don't want to do it, when there's too much coming against you and they don't deserve it, that's the time you most need to do it. That's my message for this morning. That's it. If you get nothing, get that. The time that you most need to do it is the time when you really don't want to do it and you don't have the strength to do it. It's 11 o'clock in the night and you're oh, just leave me alone. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, love does not boast or proud. Love is not rude, love is not self-seeking. Love is not irritable, love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. Love rejoices with the truth. Love is always supportive. Love always trusts. Love is always helpful. Love always perseveres, never gives up. Love never fails, it never ends. That's 15 ways to show mercy. 15 ways to show mercy. Let me just stick with four for this morning. Number one. Four ways to show mercy at home by overlooking irritations and offenses. Have you noticed? The very same things that outside people do doesn't irritate you. When you come home, everything irritates you. How many of you have heard that mom saying that, brother saying that, dad saying Everything is irritating me right now. Have you heard that? And it's especially at home. When I come home, everything irritates me. My dear friend, my dear brothers, my dear sister, that's not true. That's not true. Others are not irritating you. Everything is not irritating you. You are irritated. Because the very same thing somebody else might do, and you won't get irritated. But you're feeling free 
to be irritated at home with your spouse or your uh, loved one or your relative or your cousin because you are already irritated. You're just being yourself. Love is not easily irritated, which means you are not enjoying love. I'm going to say it that way. I'm not going to say you're not loving because then you'll say, oh, you're, you're, I feel guilty. No, you're not enjoying love. You're not enjoying love. When you go to the bathroom, you open the tap, you're not questioning the existence of water. What you're saying is the supply has stopped. So when, you are, when the supply of love is stopped, look back to where it's supposed to be coming from. You are not the source. You are not the source of love. The cross is the source of love. God is the source. The Spirit of God has been given to you to give you endless, what we call grace enabling. So that's where it begins. Love is not irritable. Love is not irritable. Love is, is not easily angered. That means there is a propensity, there's a capacity, there's an ability to not let it get to you. So you are running low on, on love supplies. You get that? You're running low on mercy supplies. It's not that they are irritating. My family is so irritating. You know, my wife, my son, my they're so irritating. No, they're not. You're running low on supplies. You know, whenever I want to send a print, that stupid thing will come up and say, ink is low. Even when I just change the cartridge, but that's a personal problem, it irritates me. <laughs> My dear friends, when you're struggling with people who irritate you, ink is low. You're very smart, you get all this. Anger is not easily... Uh, sorry, you're not easily angered. Anger is a necessary. Is, anger is not a necessarily a sin. Oh gosh, my English has gone for a sex. Anger is not necessarily a sin. Anger is an emotion. And the problem is that we have found wrong ways to execute anger, inappropriate expressions of anger. You should get angry. In fact, a man who doesn't get angry at the right things is a wuss. He's a spineless wuss. I have no respect for men who can't get angry when their family is endangered, when their resources are, are, are limited to their family, not able to provide. When he, when, uh, when he sees injustice, when he sees uh, the undertrod, when he sees things that he should get angry about and he doesn't get angry about it and he's laser fair about it, it's spineless. It's spineless. God gets angry. Anger is not the issue. The problem is the way we express it. And we have two extremes, two extremes, usually two extremes. One will blow up and one will clam up. You know clams? One will blow up, one will clam up. The one who blows up has no this thing, but after it just, you see, I just blew up and now I'm fine. <laughs> and the other one will clam up. See, I didn't say anything. I got so angry, but didn't say anything. You put everything down there, send it downstairs, send it downstairs. One day the basement is going to come to the top. Nobody wants to go to the basement anymore. One's a turtle, one's a skunk. Either you go back into your shell, you get all timid and all beat up, or you stink the place out. And when you get angry, even the devil knows. Even the devil is like, <laughs> back up. Every family's got one skunk, every family's got one turtle. And usually these two marry each other. 
The Bible very specifically tells you the cost of uncontrolled anger. Uncontrolled anger is damaging. It says it lends to arguments, it lends to mistakes, it lends to foolish things. But Proverbs chapter 17 says, love forgets mistakes. Love has a way of giving you a sanctified amnesia. A sanctified amnesia. You just can't keep record of wrongs. Nagging about them separates even close friends, Proverbs says. Proverbs 19 says, it is to your glory to overlook an offense. When you get angry, ask, why am I getting angry? Why? What really angered me? Number two, if I get angry, will I get what I want? Will I get the outcome of what I want? I want you to cooperate with me. I want you to submit to me. If I get angry with you, will you do that? No, you're not going to do that. That is pointless getting angry. So anger is fine, but if it's not going to get you what you want, you just lost it for no reason. And in the middle, what do you do? Arguments, mistakes, foolish things. Bible says that. Okay, number two, by being kind when they don't deserve it. By being kind when they don't deserve it. There are people in our life who are called VDP people. You know VIP people? There's VDP people. VDP people are very draining people. Very draining people. These are the people you get tired just being around. <laughs> there are difficult people. They are hard to work with, they are crazy makers, they are irresponsible, they are demanding people, they are pushy, aggressive, insistent, stubborn. There are disappointing people, they let you down, they don't keep their promises, they don't show up, they're disloyal, they fail you, break a promise. They are destructive people, they are out to hurt you, out to stab you, out to get something against you, they intend to harm you. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient, love is kind, love is always supportive. Love is always support, always supportive. And the hardest time to be supportive is to somebody in the family who has done you wrong, has said something wrong, or you're angry with them. The hardest time is to... It's so mean. Life is so mean that the time the person most needs it, because of their sin against you, you can't give it. And family is in dysfunction. The time he or she most needs you is the time you cut away. Because of what they did before, and because you can't forget it, because you're not loving, you don't support. Love is always supporting. So if I'm not there to support, why should I support? You know what they're like? You know what? And then we think, and this is also very Indian, we think, it, they will, if you give, keep giving, they'll think that that's what I'm like, and no matter what, they can carry on with their lives, but I must keep being loving. I must keep being loving. Have you heard that song? I must just keep, yes, you must. Because love is always supportive. You're saying love is not fair. Yeah, nothing about God is fair. Love is not fair. Grace is not fair. Mercy is not fair. Nothing of God is not fair. He doesn't make sense. Yes, he doesn't. He doesn't make sense. But what he's saying, and I've been teaching this for three, four weeks now, is that you get what you give. You give what you get. If you're not getting, you are not giving. It's as simple as that. So if you're not giving, go get. It's as simple as that. This is not about feeling guilty and feeling horrible. It's about saying, if I don't have it, I need to go get it. Because I'm not the source. I'm not the source. Whenever you are able, do good. Do good. Let me give you real quick reasons to be kind. Number one, because God has been kind to me. God's wonderful kindness is what saves us, Ephesians 2. Number two, God is an act of worship. Kindness is an act of worship. It honors God. Number three, kindness makes you happy. Number four, kindness makes you attractive. Forget the beautiful dress and the makeup. Just be nice. That'll get you more people than that dress of yours. Number five, kindness makes other people want to be kind to you. It comes back to you. God blesses kindness. He will repay you. 
But what about family members who are unkind? Unkind. There are some family members who just can't speak nicely. They just mukholtai. It just comes out. They don't. They they haven't been kind in a very long time. I'm not talking about the devil, and I'm not talking about the bad people out there. Us, us. I also have closed door. I also have a home, and we also recognize the struggle. Every family struggles. Every family struggles. Because you want one place where you can just be yourself. And that's the problem. What about family members who are unkind to you? 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 15 says, Don't be hateful to people just because they are hateful to you. There you go. Wow. Don't be hateful to people just because they are hateful to you. You're saying, oh, but that was a great reason. The best reason to be hateful to people is because they are hateful to you. He's like, no. The Bible says no. Do not be hateful. Why? Because you are not working with that standard. You are holy people. Holy people. The word holy means you are beyond influence. That means your attitude towards me, your uh, things towards me, your character flaws or whatever is not going to turn me into you. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me, the cross behind me. I have decided that I am going to be like that. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So you can live how you want. I'm still going to live like him. That's Christian character. That is Christian character on the go in your home. Imagine a whole family where everyone in the family is dedicated to being like Christ. Imagine a church when everyone is dedicated to being like Christ. Number three, by letting go past hurts. I'm going to take you all the way to 10 past. Is that okay? No, about 40 I mean. Is that okay? Another six minutes? You'll survive? You won't get irritated? All right. By letting go of past hurts. Again I says, again I say, love and mercy have a divine amnesia. A divine amnesia. They give you an ability to forget. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5, love keeps no record of all. It's not keeping score. It's not keeping score. That's the opposite of how we are. We are calculative and we are scorekeepers. We want to keep track. But the Bible says don't repeat it, delete it. How do you do that? Number one, don't rehearse it in your mind. You go over and over. Kabbalah, what she said, when he said, what is it? When he said. You do that. Okay, let me tell you what happens when you do that. When you keep thinking about that, an emotion will soon follow a thought. Am I right? You can't be thinking for something too long before you get an emotion about it. When you start thinking and rehearsing what she said, she, those, how she said it, whatever, sooner or later an emotion is going to follow. That emotion is usually resentment. Resentment. Not hate. Not hate. We are good people. We don't hate. We resent. Resent is a very kind sort of hatred. It's a hatred that won't slap you to your face. Resentment is just from a distance, you're like, hmm. And that grows as you think, and as you think, and as you think. Gossip does that. Talking badly about people. He, she is talking to her, they both are talking to me. 
we are talking about her and we just keep talking and I talk bad about her because of my personal experience and before what I have carried, I have transferred some of my resentment to her. Next time she meets her, <laughs> why? Resentment, I didn't delete it. I didn't delete it, I rehearsed it. You can't think about something too long before uh, emotion and emotion follows it. Don't keep bringing it, bringing it back. Don't tell others about it. Don't talk about it. Do one thing for yourselves, my dear brothers and sisters, my friends visiting today. When people harm you, when people hurt you, when people offend you, don't tell anybody about it. Go to God in prayer and fall at the mercy of God and delete it before it shows up on anybody else's screen, if you know what I mean. What's this going to do for you? In a few years' time, you'll have nobody to be scared of, nobody to be worried about, because you haven't said anything to anybody about anything, about anybody. So you don't have to keep track of who I told what. You know what I'm talking about. Don't rehearse it in your mind. Let it go. Love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges. Verse 5, chapter 13, verse 5. It does not hold grudges. People think they hold grudges. Actually, a grudge holds you. A grudge holds you. Number four, by believing God is working in the lives of others. Here's a hard one. This is the hardest of it all. Pastor, my husband has been like this for years. He is never going to change. Pastor, my wife is like this for years. He's never going to change. My children are... God is working in their lives. God is working in their lives. You know why you're not sure God is working in their lives? Because you're not praying for them anymore. When you stop praying, you stop believing that God is working in their lives. But the hardest thing to believe and work with is the fact that God is working in people's lives. Let me slam this home. This is very, very important. When I believe that God is working in my husband's life or my wife's life, I am going to act in accordance with what God is doing. Because God is on the job. Get it? God is on the job. You're not going to expect from a child while he's still in development, adult character and competence. You're not going to expect when an army person is in training, complete defense on your behalf. You, when a person is in training, in motion, in, 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 when the thing is half-baked, it's in the, you don't expect complete. So therefore, in the same way, for your husband, for your wife, for your children, for your cousins, for people living with you, in-laws, you have to believe that God is at work. In, oh, what are you talking about? 20 years, he hasn't changed. You have to believe that God is at work in their life. I've been in ministry a long time already. I still have another 25 years to go if Jesus tarries. But I've seen people take a very long time. But eventually God's love comes through. Here's what you need to be worried about. During that long period of time, was it their behavior that molded and shaped you? Or was it the grace of God in your own life that molded and shaped you? If God is taking longer to work with them, that's his deal. He hasn't given up on them. You don't have the right to give up on them. So your behavior is in accordance not with their current behavior, not with their current offense, not with their current reactions, but in accordance with how God is working in their life. If I believe God is making you a kinder person, how am I going to deal with you? I'm going to help that process by helping you to be a kinder person. Firstly, by being kind. You get that? Lord, I'm working. Sometimes the most difficult people, the most difficult task for God is not to change a life. 
It's all the others who won't cooperate while God is trying to change a life. Sometimes the most difficult person while God is trying to change one member of the family, it's the other holy one who's an absolute holy annoyance. They just don't cooperate with God. And there's a danger of becoming so holy that you begin to think that you're better than yourself, better than others, that you've grown faster than others, that you've got something more than others. I don't know where they get that from. But God is, God's work is actually stalled. But God is at work. In our, by believing God is working in the lives of others. Love always trusts. Love always is hopeful. And love perseveres. Love perseveres through whatever comes. Why does love persevere? Because God is at work. Lord, hear my prayer for mercy when I call to you for help. When I lift up my hands toward your holy place. What do you do in broken situations, in difficult situations, with difficult people where things are so hard. Life is hard. It's hard to concentrate. Hard to be loving. Hard to... Even your health has been affected because of a difficult person in your life. What do you do? What do you do while God is taking his time changing that person? You fall at the mercy of God. You fall at the mercy of God. You make your life a practice of just living in the mercy of God. Every day you should be calling out more to the, for the mercy of God than others. Some of you are in a crisis right now. You need to return to God right now. And you ask, you ask God to step in, do something powerful. God's mercy is always, always available. Let me close with this verse. Lamentations 3 verse 20 to 23. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The unfailing love of the Lord never ends. By his mercies we have been kept from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. He has been patient with us. His mercies begin fresh each day. Now here's the deal. There's your offenses and God's mercy for the day. Tomorrow, God forgets your offense from yesterday and he gives you fresh mercy for today. But if your offense was yesterday, why do you need fresh mercy today? Because you're going to... God does not deal with you according to yesterday's sin, otherwise there would be no fresh mercy for today. If he dealt and remembered your previous sin, I said, I already showed you mercy yesterday, no more today. But his mercy is afresh every day. He says, now you turn around and do the same thing for others. You forget what happened yesterday. Your mercy is for today. So we live in mercy. I keep talking about being a community of mercy. It means we live in mercy. We live receiving and dispensing the mercy of God. Why are we so confident about this? Because it's the same thing that God has done for you. Four things I said to you, four things God has done for you. Number one, God overlooks and forgives your offenses by his mercy. Number two, God is kind to you when you need it, but don't deserve it. God, is, God wipes out and forgets everything you have done when you trust Jesus. And number four, God is working in your life even when you don't know it. Mercy in the family is the toughest thing because that's where we expect love affection, we expect unconditional love. I want to speak to for one minute to those of you, two minutes for those, to those of you who your parents have hurt you so deeply that you are not able to forgive them. They've hurt you physically or they've hurt you emotionally. The Bible says 
there is severe judgment for child abuse or neglect. If a man doesn't feed his family, he should tie a millstone on his head and go to the bottom of the sea. Should not work. Should not eat. What does God expect from you when you are the offended party? Maybe your parents hurt you. Maybe they abandoned you. Maybe they sexually assaulted you or uh, took advantage of you. Maybe they... Uh, I don't know in what capacity, but you're carrying tremendous pain because of what your parents did. Maybe there is a possibility for reconciliation. Maybe they're dead and gone and you cannot reconcile. You will never hear the right words again. I don't know where you are, but God wants you to know this. God doesn't want you to fake it. He wants you to face it. Yes, it happened. That's the only way you're going to get past it. Number two, some of you are carrying unfinished business with your parents and you don't know how to finish it. If you can't talk to your parents and have a fresh start, talk to somebody so that you let it off, let it out, get over it, so that you can move on, just so that you can move on. And mostly, mostly, so that the little baby who's just been born, the new child is, just, is not going to get the same revised version of the same thing. What can I do? What can I do? My father also, what can I do? Oh, so, so what? So what? I, I, I didn't even have half of what you had. That doesn't sound like Jesus. It takes courage to make peace with your parents. So stop running and start being honest. You, being, you honor your parents when you're being honest. If there are wrongs, make it right. If you can't talk to your parents, stop the cycle by talking to somebody. If you're abandoned by your parents, God says, my father and mother may abandon me, but the Lord will take care of me. You know how God presents himself to the world? Not as savior, as superman, as destroyer, Darth Vader, no. He presents himself to God, to, to man as a father. As a father. And men in covenant life Let's get our act together. Let's get our act together. No matter what you believe or which age you think you live in or what your wife's mentality might be, God is going to hold you accountable for the spiritual life, the unity, and the love and mercy of God in your family. God's going to hold you accountable. Deal with it. That's the way it is. It doesn't matter who taught who, what, nobody cares. God knows what he thinks and he's going to hold you accountable. And when men don't reach out to other men and say, teach me how to be a husband, teach me how to be a shepherd, teach me how to be a man of God, teach me how to be a spiritual father, teach me how to teach my children, teach my wife, uh, lead my children, lead my wife. If, if men don't reach out for that help, it is obvious that they are not doing it in the home. When men don't reach, it's obvious that we are not doing it in that home. So coming July, there's a group of men that are going to start to just get together and pray. And begin a movement among men here in our church and in the city to raise godly men, godly fathers, and godly husbands. Men who know how to get angry for the right thing and know how to be kind and gracious towards their own family. And when the guys get it right, the rest of the family will get it right. Lord, touch our hearts. We really need your mercy. We really need your mercy. And we need so much in our lives to come under the microscope of your, of your holy search.
Find if there be any wicked way in us. Cleanse us. If there's anybody here who wants to give their life to you, who wants to recognize that Jesus has died for them and that has forgiven them, Lord, let them receive by faith your gift of salvation today, your gift of mercy and grace. Because if we haven't received it from you, how will we give it to anybody else? If we're not in a relationship with you, how do we get the strength to give that relationship to others? Deep work in our lives. Do a deep work in our lives. Especially those who haven't come today. For whatever reason, minister to them. Let them not lose out on the message. Give it to them through some other speaker, through some other book. Give it to them through some, some other way. But give it to them, Lord. Let them also learn. Let them also move with us. Stay quiet in God's presence. See if there's a commitment you want to make today. If there's something on the card that you want to tick, take a moment to fill out that card. If you're here for the first time, tell us how you feel about your first visit. Take a few moments to be quiet. We'll also give to God His tithes and our offerings. May the Lord bless you.